0: Hello and welcome to the Leading with Andrew show with me, Andrew. I'm so glad you're here. This is a show all about communication and the universal motivation to get better at it. So whether you are an established speaker or you are facilitating to top executives or you just want to get better at articulating what it is that you want, I promise you an energized dose of tips and tools. Every episode, I bring you guests who are extraordinary communicators across several industries. So let's get into it. My guest today is Matt Wilkins. And now I have a really, really interesting introduction for Matt. What do the following have in common? A farm in West Wales, an Englishman in an all Welsh school, a study in sports science, the all time record for sales in a single ski season, starring in an independent film that screened in the same cinema as Star Wars on Hollywood Boulevard, working out of ski debt in a toned down Wolf of Wall Street sales floor, team building and building a learning tech business. Logically, they shouldn't. But that's just part of Matt's life. To know Matt, you need to understand a couple of things. One, he is one of eight kids. Yes, eight. And you guessed it, he's the middle child, with everything that that entails. Two, in his own words, he is detrimentally competitive as a human being, but it's the competitiveness that has driven him to take the less beaten path, becoming someone with zero academic background in technology. He established and led BizGroup's Group's Learning Technology Division, which has delivered over 2 million hours of learning around the Middle East. Moreover, his vision and resilience transformed the company into a technological powerhouse, capable of supporting Expo 2020 with the technology to train 70,000 contractors and volunteers. What an introduction, Matt. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. I... I'm really excited that you're here. Uh, we were just having a little bit of a chat pre, uh, pre-show pre and we're going to get into some really interesting things. But the one thing that you didn't mention in your introduction is um, that you're also a father and a husband as well. How do you juggle it all? Great question. I'm
1: juggling it would be probably the overstatement. I've dropped a few balls. It's <laughs> it's a case of knowing, keeping plates spinning, I think is more the, the the term I'll use most of the time. But I love both things and that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to is a, I'm lucky enough to work for an organization that puts family at the core of what we do. It's, it's basically about going, okay, are you happy? And if you're not happy, then you're not going to bring your A game. Um, But also with that comes a certain level of freedom to, to live one's personal life. And so most days I get home at about 530 I get a text message from my wife saying, where are you?
0: <laughs> and so as it
1: goes on, there's, it's fairly disciplined that, that I know that the cutoff threshold and I know what the reception will be when I get home. If it is one minute past that 5.30 mark, there will be chaos. Um, and, and then my wonderful seven and
0: four-year-olds, they
1: they certainly keep things um, dynamic. Um <laughs>
0: very very pc man very very pc okay so it's all about spinning those plates I, i totally get that um and what i loved about your intro was you know you've gotten into learning technology now and learning specifically why have you chosen or fallen into that path
1: i don't know how or why i fell into it other than the fact that no i do that's a lie um so my entire my entire career, if I boil it down, I think has been built on my ability to communicate, my ability to talk, my ability to converse, and that that ability to talk and to engage in conversation then layers the ability to then learn. I am dyslexic. I am word blind. I struggle to process written information. So how I learn is through audio or through speaking or through doing and all of those pieces sort of help layer on top of each other which means you have some bizarre connections of going from sports science and physio and all of that jazz into learning technology that that doesn't make sense but how well again I've got a lot to thank my company for because when when I started with them it was in team building so it was going okay how do you create events how do you create magical moments to bring people together and I loved that and I enjoyed it it was just a little transactional in terms of the nature of that interaction, because once the event's done, it's done, you move mm-hmm. on. Um, and w- part of our ethos is trying to find out the what next, what's happening. Um, and so Hazel was away at uh, ATD, which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's, it's like a Glastonbury
0: for l um, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing that <laughs> because I just spoke at the ATD Middle East conference last week. So, I, I,
1: but, it's, but it is, it's a smorgasbord mm. of information about what's working in the world of learning. Um, and we were very much a traditional, atypical training company. I say traditional in, in, in the classical sense of consultant-led. Um, and she met a whole bunch of technology providers there and brought one of those back, which was all about how do you engage with a different population? How do you engage with frontline? And, and I remember, I distinctly remember, I can vividly see it, where we were in the old Biz HQ. We were downstairs, and they were talking through the idea of micro learning and i just remember sitting there going everything that they are saying resonates with me how i like to consume information and i I literally was walking out of the room and looked over to my boss at the time andy who you know from um yes he's been on the podcast (laughs) exactly (laughs) um but i looked at him and i said look andy i don't care how i want to be part of that I, i honestly i don't care i just want to be part of that 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 resonates on a on a different level um, and so Hazel being Hazel at the time went, okay, Matt, you lead it. I was like, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> On you go, you figure it out. And I was like, okay, if you've got that much passion for it, you <clears throat> go for it. Um, and so the nature of technology is it forces you to learn. It forces you to really start understanding. And again, elements of that technology force you to engage with what matters, what resonates. And, and all of that just, again, it, it just, it unlocked something personally in me. And it's, it's seen and enabled, I guess, me to transform into versions of myself. And, and it's, I, I got asked the other day, Matt, you've been at Biz for 12 years, why? And it was going, well, it's given me the ability to reinvent myself so many times and the autonomy and the accountability to why, do dude? that, why? And that's fundamentally, I think for most humans, is if you have that ability to drive your own fate, if you have any level of ambition or or, or interest in us, if, if, you, if you have that accountability and that autonomy and the ability to do it, that's what we need.
0: Matt Wilkins, the motivational speaker, welcome. <laughs> oh my word, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um. I just to build a bit of context yeah. as well for people that are watching and listening. We met on a presentation when you were introducing me to the technology. I think you were talking about Exonify, right? Yes, yes. Um, when you introduced me to Exonify, and I must be honest, I still that presentation and the passion that came through for that technology when you presented it, um, or were training or uh, sort of just giving me familiarization to yeah. the tech. It was the first time I'd encountered tech like that before as well, and. I still vividly remember that presentation and that passion just as it did right now watching you talk about it came through in that presentation. So I think when people say how do you know that something you're going in the right direction it's when when it's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely right. Um you said something there that I I really love is technology allows you to be different versions of yourself. Can yeah. you unpack that a little bit more for me? Technology isn't slowing down
1: and it's constantly evolving and the, the sort of the nature of slightly hot topic and buzzwordish at the moment the nature of ai is it's based on reinforcement theory it learns from every interaction it learns from everything it does it never it never does the same thing twice because it understands the implications of it and so when you have access te- to technology you are mimicking it you are literally going okay well i tried that did that work do that again like that hmm. did that work no don't like that um and so you you find yourself going through this 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 process and again it's 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 agile mindset again all of the the elements of this is go try fail learn um it's the guy the guys at amazon they have this brilliant ethos if again great book working backwards principles of of how jeff bezos took a book club effectively in his um a book ebay from from his his garage to the organization it is and it was how they revel in failure and what they take and celebrate through failure and and one of those again one of those moments that made me go okay yeah that's that's interesting is most people don't know that amazon launched a phone no i don't precisely but it was one of the most significant failures that drove some of the most significant success that they've had and so you may not have heard of their phone but you've heard of prime right yeah absolutely i'm subscribed um, totally yeah <laughs> i you, want I, that delivery in 24 uh, hours Matt. Uh, what uh, are you talking of about you <laughs> of course you do and, and you i'm sure you've watched their tv streaming service mm. and i'm sure you've done and get all of those things and although the the hardware failed the operating system that it ran on formed the basis for the majority of their software and so had they just gone, oh, that didn't work and scrapped it, let's go and carry on, Mm -hmm. they would have missed out on so much possible progression. And so that ability to then go, okay, well, 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 don't be afraid of the failure. Don't be afraid of failure because in that you learn. And then you learn and if you process it, you go, okay, well, what do I need to do next time? And giving yourself that irrefutable proof that you can do what you set out to do in incremental steps of going, okay, well, I didn't do 100%, but I did do five. And you know what, next time I'll do 6%. And next time I'll do 7 And you know what, sometimes I might get it wrong, but that's okay. But so long as you're creating moments of progression for you, you can be going at 10 miles an hour Go, you can go 100 miles an hour just so long as you're moving.
0: Do you adopt that same mindset for your team that you lead? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: let's ask them, shall we? <laughs> So um I didn't think we were gonna go down this road. Um as I'm I I make no secret of it and I and I don't make no secret of it because I have to it's the way I remind myself is I am detrimentally competitive as a human being. One of eight kids, you better be competitive in order to stand out. Um now the downside of that is when you are detrimentally detrimentally competitive as a leader you end up competing with your team consciously or otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so you never give them the platform to grow because if Andrew client says to Matt, I need this by X, Y, Z date, Matt then goes, absolutely. Andrew, I'll do that. I have committed to it. I won't come hell or high water. I'll make sure it gets done. I wrap a team around you. If I see that that's not happening, I go Matt to save the day out the way. I'll do that. Cape and all. Cape and all. <laughs> <laughs> and so Andrew Klein is very happy it got done. But everybody sees that Matt did it. Yep. And so oh. that 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 has been there was a there was a sort of an epiphany moment, an aha moment, and it was technology that gave me that. Really? It was VR. Oh. Because in 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 and and I was I was genuinely quite skeptical when 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 I was introduced to the type of VR we use at biz, which is sort of multi-dimensional, multi-dynamic experiences. I was like, I've, I've done gaming before. I don't hmm. know what VR does. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but I'll run with it because again, we, we want to be the what next us. Um, and so we got all of these executives into a room. We are like, we were asking them for feedback. We're engaging with it. And I'm watching this dynamic play out where you've got these really senior people engaging and starting to yell at each other and just scream and shout. And we're talking like, when I say executives, I mean, like C-suite, C-suite of organisations, wow. like, <laughs> not, and it was the head of learning and development for legal profession. I don't want to name too many names. Yeah, um, let's, not. This... <laughs> let's not. <laughs> let's not go down this room. But we're talking major, major individuals, that seriously experienced, putting these headsets on and yelling at each other. And then, like, and then taking the headset of going oh that's who i was shouting at <laughs> and i'm like oh that's interesting but still elements of skepticism because i was like well how 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 predictive of myself can this be and so i then went in there and competitive Matt, put the headset on start seeing links and and, and bridges because again i'm i'm quite good at figuring things out uh-huh myself on the back why don't I um <laughs> but I then start going okay I think I can do this I think I can do this guys 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 I think if we do this this is this I think we can get through it and naturally because this is the first time in VR for a lot of people they're then going they're just so enamored with what's going on they pay no attention yeah and so I go default Matt. I start going tunnel vision. right I'll just get it done I can do this and then I come out of the headset and I start getting this really interesting feedback of Matt. you know when you did that why didn't you bring us along? Why didn't you help Ooh, us? Okay. Why didn't you do that? And I'm like, oh, um, stab knife to the heart and all that kind of thing. Because, because there's no hiding from it. No. Because you've just seen yourself do it. It's all recorded. Absolutely. There are people watching. Totally. Hiding. Totally. Yeah. And and again, because of the elements of sort of it being a game, it's it depersonalizes the 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 bit to so, so you can't process, um, and so. I'm suddenly receiving this and I'm going okay Matt you need to you need to change you need to be cognizant of this and I'm not saying 100% of the time I'm not going to default to type and superman Matt comes along but just be aware of that instinct and that 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 is again the beauty of evolving technology is you change for one of two reasons one of two reasons alone you have an epiphany that
0: fundamentally changes the way you think or it's incremental habit change There's nothing that drives change or transformation um, than when an emotion is associated to it. And, you know, we're going to get onto that hot topic of AI, um, but with again, with a VR, you've introduced me to a lot of tech, Matt. So like, I'm really grateful, but you introduced me to VR as well. And when you were talking now saying how skeptical you were um, with VR, that's sometimes the approach that you take when you explain it, because like I've been to the trends breakfast a couple of times and you, you can see it in people's faces where they're like, "Oh, should I, shouldn't I? And then you've got the other people that have done it before. Yep. I think it was 2021 that I came for the first VR um experience upstairs and we did body swaps. Yeah. Um, I still remember and talk about that experience today. And for people that are listening and watching exactly what it was, was you you give feedback, but your avatar is recorded and then you sort of removed and you watch it from the third person. Let me tell you, it's incredible, the learning. And I still talk about it to this day and I still vividly remember it. So that lesson has, and that wasn't even in an environment where I was being coached. But why do you remember it? Because I, I experienced it. And what was that experience generating?
1: Awkwardness? Feeling. Feeling, yeah. Awkwardness, yeah, totally, Awkward. yeah, and, <laughs> and that's why we remember, right? And Because yeah. we're emotional human beings. It's going, okay, how do you tap into emotion? Because the moment you tap into emotion, you create long-term recall. Because I guarantee every monumental moment in your life, you can tell me how you felt.
0: Do you... Okay, well, one last question before we get into AI, because I really want to get into AI and all the topics that we want to talk about. But when you... So you said something earlier about defaulting to style. Yep, behavioral styles, behavioral strategies. When you default to style, do you show yourself compassion knowing that you know better because you've... So if you do something that you're like, oh, this is default to style and I know that I shouldn't be doing this. Are you able to show yourself compassion?
1: Do I show myself compassion? Uh... I don't know if I even think about it, mate. I okay. just, I'm, 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 I'm pretty logical, okay. When it comes to thing m- processing information or processing things. Now, if it if it hurts the person, then no, I don't. And I get, I find myself getting stuck in this feedback loop of mm-hmm. going, ah, oh, just play that over and over and over and over again. And there's the downside of reinforcement learning mm-hmm. is when you when you do something that and again for me if you're a fan of StrengthsFinder, finder right love okay so one of the one of the contradictions that not contradiction one of the things that when I did that for myself I went oh was my number one strength was empathy and that was everyone went mm-hmm.
0: but that's a style not necessarily
1: a behavior but it's it, it, it what it what but what it gave me was context of growing up in a very hard-nosed sales environment, the use of empathy becomes incredibly powerful. So, because if you want to, I'm going to say it, if you want to manipulate
0: Situation. I was just going to say, the use <laughs> of empathy <laughs> equals... <laughs> but, and it is, but, but it's it, sales for you.
1: So, but totally. And, and, and I use the word manipulate intentionally because it because of the response it triggers. Mm. Because nobody wants to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, and one shouldn't, and that's the darker side of sales and communication, because if you understand the mechanics of manipulating conversation to drive a emotional response, you can control 90% of the people out there. And that's fundamentally what drives the evolution of, of the human species. It's shared purpose. The reason we are different from our ape friends is because we shared common purpose. You look at the Crusades. Fundamentally, you would have people going to war, having never met, but dying for their person next to them because they believed in a common purpose. Illogical, totally illogical. But it was... it's, it's a sold to them. Totally, t- and it, but it's but it's the same. It's why people gravitate towards missions and statements and going. Ah, I want to follow the Apple way, and I want to follow the Google way, and and I'll join this organization, and it'll be detrimental to my financial standings because I believe so much in what they're doing and the sort of the the secret sauce that they're selling. And it's and it's that that that's so predictable about where the AI conversation goes.
0: And that's going to segue beautifully into it. So a bit of context for those listening and watching. We were talking about, everybody by now knows about ChatGPT, prompt engineering, prompt chaining. Uh, there's so many different applications. ChatGPT's got plugins now. So I don't really want to talk about the basics. We were talking about that interview with Stephen Bartlett and the ex-developer of... Oh, Yes. And, you know he uh, the way that and this is what i love about production is the way that it was pushed out into the world was stop the stop the development of ai we're we're heading towards an absolute nightmare but then you added a layer when we started talking about that and that's about how it is going to be trained yeah and you were talking about empathy using empathy manipulation and how we would die for another person we've never met before because we are fighting for a common purpose how does that link into training, an AI language model, and where will it become dangerous? Okay, let's go down the
1: dark side let Let's first. go. Because <laughs> we'll come out at the yes, last. Yes, we do. Yes, it's the hope. Let's start. Let's start. Well, do we have time? Right. Let's we look, do, look. Yes. <laughs> So, okay. So, for those of you who have not heard of ChatGPT, and, and I was, you know, funny enough, I was in a keynote session the other day. Um, and it was one of those calibration moments. And I, was, I thought I'd, it would it, be intentionally provocative of getting people to stand up and then sit down. If you've never heard of what ChatGPT or OpenAI was. And I thought maybe one person would sit mm. down in a room of about 60, 70 people. A good 20 sat down. And I went, stop. I kid you not. I was sitting there and went, okay, let's recalibrate. Um, and I'm like, so you have to pivot as a speaker really quickly. (laughs) Um,
0: I wasn't expecting
1: (laughs) this result, Uh, but, but literally. And so for the benefit of you, the listener, um, (laughs) who have, have not engaged with this yet. Again, similarly, I was, I was in a physio session the other day and this is the one that genuinely shocked me because she was studying. Data was, science. No, no, oh, no. Okay. She's a physiotherapist, and she was submitting an assignment. I was like, oh, have you have you have you come across ChatGPTR? She's like, I'm not going down that AI stuff. And I was like, what? But 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 the medical profession, that's the guys that are going to benefit the most from this. And so again, roll it back. Context. So um OpenAI is a non for profit organization, and this is really key. Because Sam Altman, who established OpenAI, was is a really you can hear it. I mean, when you listen to his interviews, he's a very, very values-driven individual. Um, and again, I think I'm right in saying this, but he doesn't own any equity in OpenAI. And he's consciously set it up that way. So its, so it's overarching purpose is, is always looking at the, the benefit of humankind, of going, okay, how do we remain ethical? How do we remain true? How do we not let commerce drive the progression of this because when commerce drives the progression of a technology well it's going to take shortcuts and it's going to do things that may or be may or may not be considered ethically correct particularly for different cultures and then again this is this becomes interesting As in terms of training the ethics of AI is going well when when a technology is based on a reinforcement loop of going I did this what went right went went wrong now let me improve it it's based on the rules that the programmer gives it. And so going, okay, if I'm a white Western male, I'm going to have white Western ethics, consciously or unconsciously. And so when I start training with AI, AI, AI? totally, Mm. it's just going to be how I interact with it. Mm. And the major leap with open AI is it moves from a code structure traditionally in terms of the front end. So AI being developed in labs and we all go, well, that's cool. And then we see the output of that in our phones when they're doing predictive text and things like that. Mm. And that's, that's, useful but what it's doing is it's moving the possibilities of AI into a language model and allowing human language and communication to be the primary training vector that allows you to then interact it which is really interesting because suddenly there's no limitations on who can interact and benefit from it because if you can talk if you can speak if you can type then you can interact and you can therefore train and then you're giving it input and you're giving it context of how you're asking it questions. And so similarly, it can engage with you in the same way. And so if you give it the right prompt structure and you say, atypical Matt Wilkins, I'm dyslexic. I struggle processing long form information. Please articulate your answer to optimize my ability to understand you. It will do that. Mm. It will have infinite levels of patience with me based on how I engage with it because it's not going to get frustrated because it's a code. And so again when we come back to the ethics of this is going if my biases if my assumptions are training it on what a good output looks like and there are a billion other people like me for argument's sake that are training on the same thing it will believe that that is the right outcome transfer that to into a chinese culture and they may have a completely different value structure absolutely and then all of a sudden you have these mass contradictions of of different super powerful AIs believing one way is right and one way is wrong. And this is where Mo Gaudak goes with his narrative of going, okay, we're either going to be on an island in 15 years or so because the machines have made life so great, or we're hiding from them. And not because of the machines, because of human nature, and because what we've asked them to do, and because we are power hungry, because we are trying to one-up people we've we've seen it time and time and time again you just take something like the vr space you have the guys at htc and all of those guys who started breaking into the space then last year we were all talking about the metaverse this and the metaverse that Mm. and it's going to change the universe because facebook had rebranded their name into meta Mm. and suddenly it became mainstream and now more recently you have apple that come out with their vision pro and going okay we're going to change spatial computing Mm. But it's all competitive. It's all competitively driven. And the decisions they're making is based on how do I beat the competitor? How do I make more money than the competitor? How do I stay successful? Which is why this open letter, which was doomed to fail, was never going to succeed, which was let's halt AI for six months while we figure out how to put guardrails. Not a chance. Not a chance. And yeah. uh, I forget his name. The, the founder, the, the, the CEO rather of Google was quite open. I and Mo had a conversation with him because he's ex-Google X. Yeah, ex-Google X. He left Google X, the Google X there and, and was having a conversation. Was like, it's like, no, I, I, I can't stop. Mm-hmm. I have a moral obligation to the people I employ that if I stop now, then effectively I'm just handing the market to my competitors.
0: Do you think it's when when we talk about competition, do you think that competition would involve um, expanding the capability of your language model to bring people because it's got more capability. So if you look at ChatGPT and then you look at some of the, and I think it's futurepedia.io that has got all of these things, um, all of these apps that they list all the time. Mm. Um, do you think what draws people to these things is that the expansion of the capability of the language model is more, and is that what is driving the competition? So Google's language model could do more than um, uh, uh, ChatGPT's language model.
1: I think it comes down to something very simple it's money
0: mm. it's going who's going to get the
1: biggest adoption and use of it who's going to build their ais on top of that ai and um, you, you've seen well you've seen what uh, microsoft have done so microsoft have um copilot yes they've invested 10 billion dollars to partner with open ai not not to acquire they were like we'd like to partner with you here's 10 billion dollars
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'll <Exactly>. take it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But they don't own anything in OpenAI. They just have access to the, the code set. They have access to the technology. And so they've come to the market with Copilot, which genuinely is going to change the game.
0: Mm.
1: Not because of the, the technology itself necessarily, which is equally impressive. If you use Bing chat, mm. which again, they were like, okay, let's decimate Google because now we can do search and conversation. It's okay. It's good. It's interactive. It's not as good good as OpenAI and GPT 4 in terms of the way it constructs information, but it's good. But what they're doing now is they've integrated co into Windows 11, which is your core operating system. You have over a billion users of the Windows 11 infrastructure.
0: Microsoft Teams. Totally. Uh, they,
1: uh, and as soon as you can communicate with your machine, why would you do anything else? Why do you need IT? How many times have you sat there at your computer and go, oh, IT, how do I do this? I can't do that. I can't remember whether to do this. Now you just talk to your computer. You imagine the impact that's going to have on the way we do things, the expectations we have.
0: My mind is going for for somebody that is just built on, I mean, we're all built on social interaction and uh, uh, social connection. How is that going to impact communication in teams? What is going to be one of the, so yes, everybody's, now they're communicating, they're sitting at their desk and forget about the hybrid work model, working from home, working mm. in the office, forget about that. It's how are you actually going to communicate? Because my first thing is, okay, if I'm Teams messaging you, who's responding? Yeah.
1: Well, great question. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Who, who's responding? But I mean, what is the unintended consequence of that? Now, people were worried about performance and a production w- with the whole working from home thing. But now even if I'm sitting at my desk at work, and I've got co-pilot and I've trained it. I've said, ask me 50 questions about me that I can answer so you can understand me better. It will be able to respond to certain things. I Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line?
1: And that's the question right
0: now, right? Absolutely. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. But um, you, you, I think too much of a good thing is bad. We always think that, though, right? We always think that, which has never stopped me <laughs> yeah. in so many different areas. Oh, of course but, it but I think, like, I mean, particularly, I'm going to go back to COVID here, and it's you lose a part of yourself when you don't have that that social interaction with people when when it's not face to face there's there's a certain part of you that is wired for that and it's survival and it's in DNA and things like that and it's like where do you draw the line of what or who is interacting with you for that authentic connection i mean anybody that says oh yeah i'm a loner i'll talk to you after 6 days of being completely socially isolated from human beings and then you tell me if you're a loner anybody in the world right so When it comes to communication, where do you draw the line? yet there's still people that are alone. That feel alone. That are alone. Yeah.
1: That lock themselves away from humanity, that are socially awkward, that are socially introverted, haven't learned the skills in order to be engaging with people, and therefore we alienate them. And do you think a language model would
0: be able to train that?
1: That's a great question as well. So this is something we were chatting about before is Mm. um, I have two nephews, both of which are different levels on the spectrum and and autistic, Um, and so they really struggle with human interaction. Certain social environments, they just can't process and they will leave them. And so, does that make them any less worthwhile as a human being? No, but it does to us in terms of the mass population because relationships are formed on interactions. Mm. The reason we often get promoted because somebody likes us. They've seen us do something. They aspire to the, the foam of, I saw Andrew do something, therefore I want him in my company. But if if you're set apart from the majority or many human interaction or social interactions, we are often, and wrongly so, seen as a lesser human being. And so some of the positive side, because there are many, 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 many dark sides of the conversations, mm-hmm. one of the possible uses and the possible advantages of large language models and moving ai into a communication space is giving people tools to progress at their own speed and interact with again language models that have infinite levels of patience Mm -hmm. that will alter themselves to every nuance that that individual needs in order to progress and in fact i saw something on um linkedin the other day where people were combining large language models with VR environments. And and this takes the conversation into a slightly uncomfortable space for some, which is where every avatar that they were interacting with was an AI coded large language model. But your brain doesn't know that because the way you process information in a VR world is the same way that you remember this interaction. So the way we remember this- Yes, I've
0: done VR twice with you.
1: Central nervous system, it responds in the same way. It, it, you will remember that situation the same way and therefore goes down two rabbit holes. One is the positive sides of learning the fundamentals of what creates positive human interaction that makes you more likable, that gives you more opportunity, great, happy days. But the other side of that becomes, okay, What's who's controlling, inverted commas, who's training and teaching these avatars how to interact with you, what to do with you, mm. who's and again, this is the darker side of me that goes into the, why are Facebook so interested? Well, if you think about Cambridge Analytica mm, and the influence the on Netflix, the election yeah. and all of the things that do it does by tactical clickbait click and ad adwords, AdWords um, all of the visuals and stuff that we're throwing at you and that was changing people's perceptions subtly and incrementally because it was creating emotion towards, oh, these people uh-huh. are more like me than that. Um, There's a book by Yuval Harari, and he's written three, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, um, Sapiens and Homeo Deus. And Homeo Deus, I believe it's that one, or maybe it's the end of of Sapiens, but they look at a piece of technology. And this book was published four years ago, five years ago, I think. Um, Great book, by the way. A helmet that the armed forces are using to allow you to focus. And so... Let's say you're in a shooting range and you've got zombies coming up at you. And this is a scenario they talk about. And and you go, here's a gun, shoot them. And you panic. I don't know how to do that. And so what this helmet does is it tunes everything out and allows you to focus and gives you time and allows you to really laser focus on what's in front of you and what's happening and allows you actually to succeed. And this lady that was a journalist, she went through it first time. She got one next time. She got 10 out of 10 by putting this helmet on now. What scientists can also predict now is based on the color patterns of your thought processes, the decision you're going to make before you've realized you're going to make it.
0: That was done in a test many, many years ago with the the whole hand thing, and that's something completely different. I don't want to get onto that.
1: But it's disappeared from the conversation because if you've got an AI that understands that, that knows what you're going to make, the decision you're going to make before you make it, that can react infinitely faster than you. Totally. Totally. And you go into a VR environment that creates emotion that stimulates a way to react to something, you can control what people do and think and their perspective of things. And this is where you go really down the rabbit hole of ethically, okay, this is this is conscious manipulation of the human behavior that they believe is authentic because they're unaware of it. Because yeah, the AI it's knows. The bias. It's yeah. no, totally. They, they know the decision you're going to make. And therefore they know how to influence you and take you down that home. And they on
0: the outcome that, that is desired.
1: And if you bre- pull that down to its basic essence, it's, can I get you to spend money with me? Can I make you want to buy something and make you feel like it was your choice that drives the commerce model? And that's the danger of human ethics, because all of us just want an extra dollar so we can go on that holiday.
0: Whoa, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um what the the (laughs) blown away uh there's so much to process there you were mentioning something about ai taking its time particularly with your nephews um and that's actually something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago where i am excel and i are not friends i Mm. was held hostage by excel many many years ago for like seven hours trying to figure something out in tears it was just a mess and I was like, okay, I want to do something really fancy with a spreadsheet of data that I'm working on at the moment. And I went onto to ChatGPT and I was using um, ChatGPT for going back and forth to help yep. me build formulas. And I didn't have that, that feeling of somebody that's got stuff to do but is taking time out of their schedule to help me and I'm not getting it in the first time and then I feel like an idiot and I get caught up in this spiral. We were just going back and forth the entire time and it just felt so good. Give me one good thing that you predict is going, or one of the best things, top five that you think is going to come from the development of AI in the next five to 10 years. Uh, Personal thing. Mm -hmm.
1: My sister's, um, I didn't think we'd go down this rabbit well. Um My sister's got two types of cancer, um, and so she's gone through chemotherapy. She's now about to go through um, radiotherapy. Now, all of the all of the treatment that she's received has been based on largely the experience of, largely, <coughs> excuse me. Largely the experience of the doctors that have treated her. And so we as we as humans, we're we're limited in terms of what we rec- we can remember or the information we've got access. And and obviously doctors they are incredibly incredible human beings. But what gives me genuine hope when it comes to what this type of technology can do is it can remember everything. Everything. Mm. It can remember every treatment plan that's ever been done the result of that, process that information based on the unique circumstances of the individual. And I have no idea whether this will be, the evolutions of this will be soon enough for my sister, but the potential for healthcare, it, it potentially makes it all worth it. It also potentially goes, well, suddenly, if, if we can find ways to, to make monumental leaps in in the healthcare space, Overnight, because somebody has access to a piece of information and a piece of context that they might have never, ever, ever, ever found, then it's then it's worth it.
0: I think that's brilliant. I'm sorry to hear about your sister. How, with all of this happening and all of the development and AI and getting excited about technology, how do you reconnect with yourself when your thoughts and processes take you on a rabbit hole? I'm beginning
1: I'm beginning to wonder what self what my current self is when it comes to that sounds a bit bizarre and cliché no. but but how do you connect with yourself well what one of one of the one of the beauties of my lovely human beings of children and my wonderful family is you don't have much time to think and you don't have you just you just do and you're engaged in the moment and that's wonderful to be taken into the moment where you are present that's fantastic and so connecting with myself, inverted commas, is, is actually this. It's, it's having conversations about something that I've, I never would have a million years predicted 10, 15 years, well, even five years ago, mm-hmm. I'd be this engaged in, which is understanding. I, I don't, I've lost count of the number of books I've listened to, uh, the number of YouTube channels I've absorbed information from, the number of podcasts I've started listening to, largely I don't know it must have been turn of the year like I've the spike of content information that I'm engaging with that is it's it's genuinely unlocking a part of myself it did not know existed in terms of this hunger to learn this hunger to process information this going is finding your purpose finding your north star mm-hmm. of going okay well I'm 41 now but great <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 all in man I'm I'm I'm, I'm let's go down this road. And so connecting back to myself is I get up at 530 in the morning now and I go for a walk. And during that walk, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to a book. I'm taking that 15, 20 minutes to just go, this is
0: expanding my brain matter. I love that. I do the same. I listen to a podcast. That's like my meditation in the morning. All right. Matt, that is pretty much the time we have for today. I'm going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, so you've got to give me like one word to two word answers over here. What is the one thing you learned through experience that you had you learned it sooner would have changed your course?
1: I learned it pretty quick. But it was that statement of don't be afraid of failure.
0: Love. Give me one song on your playlist and why you love it.
1: I see... I saw this quickfire question and I, I, I can't answer it because the majority of my playlist is Disney songs. That's there's I, no judgment. <laughs> I went to the Disney show like three weeks <laughs> ago at the Coca
0: Cola Arena, and so
1: my playlist—I'm I'm going to reclaim my manhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my my playlist is, is is podcasts. It's it's the Stephen Bartlett podcast. Okay, it's Diary it's, of a CEO. Yeah, all of those pieces. Love I'm I, that's that's my inverted commas music at the moment because everything else is, I believe. This, that, and the other, and I'm a mermaid. (laughs) All right, Pocahontas.
0: (laughs) What is your number one travel hack? Get on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Try and make that plane. Yeah, don't be late. Don't be late. All right, two more questions. You're on a private jet, and you can have three people with you, famous or not famous. Who are they, and what are you talking about? Um...
1: More recently, I would love to have a conversation with Mo Gaudet. Um I'd also love to have a conversation with Steve Barlow because I just, I genuinely ad- admire his the art of his ability to converse, and then throw in an Einstein because I, hey I'd, yo, I'd be fascinated to see what he makes of this world right now.
0: Amazing, I love that. Uh, the last rapid fire question: Finish the sentence. Getting better at communication is.
1: Non-negotiable.
0: Ooh, I love that, Matt. Where can we connect with you after we've listened to the episode? Uh, mostly
1: through LinkedIn. Okay, Most, m- LinkedIn is my primary channel of oh. of, of anything at the moment. Um, Matt
0: Wilkins, right? Uh, Matthew Wilkins. Matthew Wilkins. i want to apologize. Matthew Wilkins.
1: And and again, that was not by choice. But when I did, <laughs> <laughs> all, right.
0: all right, Matthew.
1: <laughs> but but there were two Matthews when I joined Biz, <laughs> and therefore I I assumed the longer name. <laughs>
0: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I'm so excited for people to learn. Likewise. Well, there you go. Another episode on communication. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and most importantly, connect with us on Instagram at leadingwithandrew.